Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a different PIN number. Recorded live. I'm going to hang up. Me too. Okay. Okay. Hi, guys. <laughs> what was that, uh, Amina and Brian? That was Brian and um, Nicole. Is that her name? Nicole. Uh, Leilani? Yeah. Leilani. Okay, I couldn't quite understand. Or Maga- Magali. Magali. Magali, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> they used the wrong pin number. And I was like, um, do I have the wrong night? <laughs> <laughs> Am I am I having a stroke? Um, <laughs> one else full, full disclosure, you two, I uh, I have to pee, and uh, I just got off of a conference call and called in here, so I'm going to go pee real quick. So give me two minutes and talk amongst yourself. <laughs> talk about God. <laughs> Hi Tom. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. How about you? <clears throat> all right. What was all that about? I just got in on the very last. The Brian and one of the practitioners from Group Three, I guess, hit the wrong pin number. Uh huh. And so I was like, cause when I got on the call, there was a woman's voice, and I was like, uh. <laughs> okay. Is it Wednesday? <laughs> All right, thank you so much for that. <laughs> I was like, um, okay, maybe that's the wrong night. <laughs> uh huh. <coughs> okay. How are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. I've just got some uh, upper respiratory stuff going on this week. Oh. Kind of wheezing and coughing. Mhm. So. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, I'm doing better, at least, let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hello, hello. I'm back. Welcome back. Thank you. Okay. All right, gentlemen. We're going to spend a little time just consciously connecting, so clearing our mind, allowing the presence of God to uh, just be. <laughs> and... uh We're just going to um, sit in the presence. So let's take a deep breath in and breathe out. And with each exhale, we just allow ourselves to relax our shoulders and our limbs. We breathe. We release our day.
re-release anything that happened before this moment. And we allow our attention to gently fall on our breath. We accept the noise that the world is making outside of our window, outside of our door. And we acknowledge the stillness within. We invite waves and waves of bright white light to flow through all of our bodies and subtle bodies. our auric field and beyond, beyond what we can conceive. As we allow ourselves to just rest in the infinite essence of the divine. And we're going to take five minutes. And I encourage you to truly take this time to just allow your attention to lightly fall on your breath. And... Clear your mind. Just clear your mind. That's your only intention is just to clear your mind. I'll set the timer now.
Holy Spirit, we give this time to you. We give each breath, each word, each thought. We give thanks for the opportunity to connect with our mighty companions, our fellow practitioners. We declare that this time is holy and sacred because this is taking place within God. All is sacred, all is holy, beyond our concepts of what that is. And we're grateful to participate. We share the healing benefits of this time together with everyone because we're one with them. And so it is. Amen. So let's talk about, uh, we're going to leave the last 15 minutes of this first section to do a group reading um, in the Goldsmiths. But based on the Goldsmiths writing, let's discuss what the job of a practitioner or spiritual counselor is. What is our job as a practitioner and a spiritual counselor in regards to, specifically in regards to working with a client or someone that has enrolled us to support them? What's our job? To always remain centered on God. To remain centered on God? That all things are, are God. And I'm trying to find the page now of where, because it, it was so interesting based on our call last week. And then it was in the reading. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, you just get out of the way. And um, oh, I can't remember which section it was under now. Um, okay, well, what if you didn't draw from the book, but just share what's coming up through you, because... It's all within you, so you know. So what are you what are you trying to share right now? Um, to hold that space that everything is always unfolding as it should be, even if we don't know the whys. Mm-hmm. Did you say the whys or the lies? Whys. W-H-Y-L. <laughs> it. it did sound like that, though, didn't it? <laughs> I'm a little raspy tonight, so that may happen a couple of times. <laughs> Tom, what do you think? Well, to just contemplate God. Just uh, that we... If, if, <coughs> As long as we're putting our our uh, thoughts as to what God really is, we're doing it from a human point, and just uh, realize that we don't know what God is, you know. So we just contemplate and let the the spirit flow through us and and reveal itself to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, it's really it. <laughs> it's so we let's let's talk it through. So we have someone comes in, they sit down, they're we're sitting across from them. And we ask, What's up? And then we listen. Well, we don't ask what's up, we pray in. And why do we pray in? You're to allow it to flow through us. Uh, what did you say, Tom? To allow it to flow through us. Get out, get out of our own way and allow God to actually reveal itself in and through us and just to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stephen? Yeah, I think in your, you're kind of opening that vessel, and it's almost like a, um, like a cosmic smudging, almost. Like you're clearing that gook out before you... Sit in that space. Mm-hmm. A cosmic, a cosmic smudging. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we hand the entire experience over to. I say, Holy Spirit. Because I, this is my practice. This is my personal practice. I believe Holy Spirit, as taught in the Course in Miracles, is the bridge to God. It's sort of our translator. God is ever present, and yet we're not aware of it. And so, the Holy Spirit is sort of like the God's ambassador in our minds. <laughs> It helps us translate, it helps us see clearly, it helps us align, it helps us to remove the blocks. And so hand it over to our guide, the aspect of the, hand it over to that, our true mind, our true self, our spiritual self, our spiritual consciousness. And then we listen. And we trust that we're listening through the ears of spirit. And so, again, like Tom said, it's just it's just inviting in the presence. It's just sitting in the presence. The more of this work I do, the more I see that, you know, the real productive work is done in silence. Mm. It's done in the invisible. So, when we do the treatment, when we go in for the treatment, which is generally done, when do we generally do the treatment? In a spiritual counseling session, 
when is the treatment usually done? It's it's after the blessing and after, like, I don't want to say at the end because is it the end? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, that's generally when it would be done, it would be at the end. Yeah, it just seemed like such a weird word to say for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Like I was, I was being way too like analytical with the word and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's generally it's, it's generally done. It's generally done at the end. You know, you you share. They share the experience of what's going on. We listen. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever needs to present itself will present itself. Will come to the surface. <laughs> we stay firmly focused on God, and that's all we. That's that's all we need to do because. Um, when we are, then whatever is blocking the awareness of God will come to the surface so it can be removed or released, right? So we stay firmly focused on God, and then we um, uh, at the end we do the treatment, which is the declaration. So Goldsmith says in this, don't bring the person into the treatment. What do you think he means by that? Don't bring the person into the treatment. Like your idea of what the, quote, problem is. Like your projection of that identification, that body identification. Because you're not trying to treat the, you know, problem per se. You're not trying to treat the loss of job or the, I think, uh, he didn't use the word irritable bowel syndrome, but you're not treating that. You're treating the fear that the person has around those things, which goes deeper than what that problem is. It's you're just, realizing that, uh, that <laughs> if you're focused on God, then, uh, of course, the problem uh, takes care of itself because uh, when you're focused on God, that's uh, all you're focusing on and, and allowing that to reveal through you so you don't need to know the problem. You don't need, in fact... Uh, Sometimes knowing the problem is more of a distraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we simply talk about God. We just remind ourselves of God to the very, very best of our ability and I love how it says in this reading this week about the practice of how stay silent until you feel called and then conclude when it happens organically. But when you start getting in the way of, what do I say next? Is that right? Was that whatever? Pause. Start again. Allow God to guide it. God will end it when it's time to end it, you know? But just, it's like the golden key. That's all that it is. It's simply what 
is God inspiring to express through you now, through the channel of Stephen, through the channel of Tom, for the greatest good of all. And so he just reminds us in this, we never pray that they get the job because we don't know if he's supposed to have the job. You know, to pray for the cancers, to acknowledge the cancer is something real. You know, to pray that for the cancer to go away is to pray that, you know, is to project our belief that it shouldn't be there or that the body is real. And so it's helping us break through the illusion. This is where mysticism, the the mysticism in a course and Goldsmith really align is don't make, you know, don't pray for something that isn't real. Why would you pray for something that isn't real? That's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Right? So it's saying (laughs) keep your mind firmly focused on what's real. That makes sense, doesn't it? I know when you when you put it like that, it, it, it like I said last week, it's like, oh my God, this is actually so simple, and we make it so complicated. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because, you know, when Helen Schuchman, the original version of the course. I believe she even says, instead of saying ego or Holy Spirit, it was spiritual eye and human eye. Our spiritual eye and our human eye. To see through the spiritual eye or to see through the human eye. And the human eye, you know, eventually she started calling it ego. But it's the belief system that the body is the central character, right? That the body is so important. It's the only thing that's important. And what is happening to the body is very important, you know. But what if the body doesn't exist? What if the body doesn't even exist? What if the man, the truth of the expression that we are praying for, the expression being the client, isn't the body? And why would we pray for the pray for what isn't the truth of them? We stay firmly focused on the truth. And that is the job of the practitioner. <coughs> so let's explore sections of the reading together. Um, so let's turn to page 33 God is the only creator always keep the treatment on the level of God okay so always so right off the bat it's telling us right there keep the treatment on God so let's get clear real quick on what would what are do you think are common things that people would ask you to pray for, ask for prayer treatment for, and what would qualify as keeping the treatment on the level of God versus bringing the treatment in the realm of the material? So just some 
some examples. Any examples? I want a relationship, or my relationship is falling apart. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So someone is coming to you with a relationship that's falling apart. How would you keep it on God? Keep that keep a prayer on God. Um, because it's not about the relationship. It's it's fear. It's no, 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 no. Pause for a second. Actually, do it. So give me the treatment. Ooh. So, so I was we were going to do an example. Yeah. <laughs> so just take it. So take a moment. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Put your hand on your heart. And what would the treatment be? Someone comes to you for. Uh, please put, pray for my relationship. My, uh, I'll, I'll get specific for you. Um, Stephen, my relationship is my, my, my boyfriend broke up with me. Will you please pray that we can work it out? Mm. Okay, so placing a hand on our heart. Mm-hmm. We take a big breath in and let a big breath out. And we give gratitude. Should I use your name as just the example? Can I do that? or just... mm-hmm. Start again. I'll call, you Bob. Use my I'll, name. call you Bob. I'll call you Bob. <laughs> All right, take a big breath in and we take a big breath out. And we stand in gratitude tonight with Bob. <clears throat> We're having this time together. We stand... In love, we stand in light. We offer up any ideas of loneliness or loss. And instead, we declare that, that Bob stands in union. Bob stands in oneness. Bob is, stands in love because he is made of love and from love, and that he is always loved and loved. I think I would do something like that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Tom, do you have any suggestions or any thoughts on that? Yeah, first off, just stand in that presence and God is all there is. Mm. God is there is only God God creation. So we know that God is is love. God is peace. God is harmony. All is God. Mm hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So what I appreciate about what Tom was doing there was just, it felt like I could feel that Tom was just resting in God. Now, obviously, if Bob is coming to you for support, we don't bring Bob into the prayer as in, Bob the man, but we acknowledge the truth of Bob. So I think he did that really beautifully, Stephen. 
And we do, like, using the God's Prayer format, you know, yes, you know, and we can use that gratitude to be that opportunity to really open our hearts, to really align with the essence of love, the essence of God. And we can just so be so grateful, so grateful, but really take that moment to feel gratitude, to ground, to sink into the sacredness that is. God is. God is. And so in that moment of the, uh, the moment of gratitude, we simply are allowing ourselves to be perfectly present. So we're grateful to come to the altar of the divine as Bob, as Stephen, and declare that this space is holy because the spirit dwells here. And we offer up any fear, any belief in separation, any belief that we are somehow alone, And we remember that God is in all things. Sorry, guys. Hold on one sec. Had a guest come in the room, so I had to. It's a little distracting. (laughs) My prayer. God was godding as my husband trying to find him. <laughs> and so we just take the moment. We we always just take that moment just to invite the spirit in, to feel the presence, to consciously connect, to clear our mind. Always remember that it's not us, right? Mm-hmm. So um, beautiful work, both of you guys. Um always just declaring the truth. So we don't have to declare I mean we can we can declare all relationship all relationships are holy. All relationships are holy. But we don't say, God, please do us a solid. Let's pop <laughs> back together with his boyfriend because we just know that's the right thing and we would we just want Bob to be happy and Bob's only going to be happy if he's with his partner, so we can take time to declare the truth of Bob. Bob is brilliance and beauty. And declare. And, and what are we really declaring? When we're declaring the truth of God, of Bob, what are we really declaring the truth of? I'll give you a hint. We um, talk about this a lot. starts with a G. Rhymes with cod. Sorry, I was muted. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, really? <laughs> like, you know, there's a new there's a new year of practitioners starting. If you want to hop in, the... <laughs> so yeah, so we're always just affirming the truth. <clears throat> So, okay, back on page 33, God is the only creator. Always keep the treatment on the level of God. For example, what can you do about cases that come to you where married couples want children and have been informed by their physicians that 
For some reason or other, they cannot have families. You can turn away from everything that is known about human generation. There is only one creator. God is the creative principle of this universe. And besides God, there is no creative action, no creative principle, no creative substance, no creation at all except that which is God. God created the universe in the beginning, and if there is any creation of any nature, God is still the only creator of it. Actually, there is no creation. There is only evolving emboldment. God is that out of which this universe, including individual identity, evolves. God is the source. God is the substance. And God is the activity of all being. I love that because not once does he say anything about them getting a baby. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. one thing. These uh, prayers that he has in here are so wonderful. So anything in italics for his his treatment. And, you know, Goldsmith got to the point where he was doing, I think, over 100 treatments a day. Many of the people he didn't even talk to. But there was just reports of miracles unfolding all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was this written? I didn't even look to see. This in the was this... 50s, 40s, or 50s? Oh, wow, so it's pre-course. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, there's only one God. But, yeah, I mean, isn't it wild? Like, I, it's so funny. Like, I always thought that, uh, you know, you read this stuff, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, why <laughs> didn't I know this existed? Or, I feel like this is so new, but you know, raised in the church, you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think these are actually collections of his teachings, uh, like of his talks that have been transcribed. Mm-hmm. Powerful dude, man. I mean, Goldsmith, I feel like there's like a hundred books by Goldsmith and they all say the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, isn't it good stuff in here, though? Mm-hmm. Well, I was reading the other night, and I can't remember what I read, but I was like, wow, where have I read that before? And it's like, oh, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> and everything. Yeah. So if you look at the, if you look at the, uh, um, there's two sections we're going to read tonight. Um, but two of the sections, God, the only action, God, the only creator. You know, uh, those two sections are really interesting because, you know, when when somebody wants something to happen, we get out of the results, we get out of the details, we get out of the material, and we just acknowledge that God is the only creator. God is the creative essence of the universe, and that's all we need to know. That is all we need to know. God is the creative essence of all things. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, because all action is with all every and everything that expresses itself expresses itself from our consciousness. But our consciousness is, you know, the sum total of our thoughts, but it is the our level of God consciousness, God awareness. So, you know, peaceful experience is expressed from a state of peacefulness. So the miracle is always the peace that induces the manifestation. It's always the peace, the inner, um, it's always what we're looking for is always the inner peace. That's the miracle. And And of course, whatever is going to manifest from that space will be in alignment with that. 
But we think that we need to manifest something in order to experience the peace, but it's opposite. So we pray for peace. We acknowledge that God is. God is. God is. Okay. So let's do um, our reading together, okay? There's going to be two sections we're going to read together. The first is on page, begins at the bottom of page 27. Give up all attempts to define God. I think that this is wonderful and brilliant. So we'll go paragraph by paragraph. Uh, We'll go Jesse, Stephen, Tom, and I'll begin. So bottom of page 27. Give up all attempts to define God. There was a time when God was a meaningless word to me, just a three-letter word, G-O-D, and those three letters did not spell a thing for me because I could not visualize God or understand what God meant. So because I could not understand what God was, I preferred to use such terms as divine mind, principle, or law. There are still many people in metaphysics who are in that same position today. But I have found that after having gained some conception of God, as mind, life, soul, or principle, I came back to the word, God, and realized that because it is a word that cannot be understood, it is the very best word of all. Anybody who has a concept of God is praying to his concept. He is not praying to God. Anyone who thinks of God as mind is thinking of an intelligence, probably a little superior to human intelligence but nevertheless, a kind of human intelligence. Anyone who is thinking of God as love is thinking of love on some human plane. True, it may be pure like mother love or father love, sister or brother love, but nevertheless, it is a human sense of love. The love, of, the love which is God is not that kind of love at all. God as love has no relationship to anything that any human being can possibly think of as love. And so, until a person transcends all sense of human love, it is utterly impossible to understand God and his love. Most of us are likely to entertain some idea as to what God is, and then when we pray to that concept, we wonder why our prayers are not answered. It is unwise to pray to any concept of God. It is far better to divest us divest ourselves of all concepts of God. For example, in thinking and looking upon God as love, we may turn to God and ask what God, what love is, and in acknowledging that, it is not anything like mother love, father love, husband love, wife love, or child love, or anything like love for the nature or love of beauty. Finally, we receive we reach the peace, the place where we are willing to admit that we do not understand what love is on a God level since we have never been God. What is God is mind? Quickly it comes that God is intelligence. Intelligence? How do we know that God is intelligence? What makes us call God intelligence? To most people, intelligence is considered or thought of as cleverness as knowledge, or as the capacity to act in certain ways under given conditions. But God is anything, but is God anything like that? What right does anyone have to limit God? And certainly, if it is possible to know what intelligence is, that surely is limitation. No, we do not even know God, what God is as mind. 
God is spirit. But what is spirit? That we can never know. As a matter of fact, how can we really know anything about God since our knowledge must of necessity be finite? How can finite knowledge embrace the infinite, infinity infinity, and allness of God? <clears throat> Why not be honest and confess that we do not know what God is? And with that admission, we are really beginning to understand God because the minute we realize that we do not know or understand God, we are getting closer to it. When we arrive at the place where we are absolutely stripped of every concept of God, of every belief about God, or every theory about God, then we are drawing close to an actual God experience. As long as there is any concept in our mind about God, it is finite, limited, and circumscribed, and therefore cannot be God itself. We find God only when the, when we drop our concepts and thoughts about God and are honest enough to admit there is only one thing that I can be, be sure of concerning God, and is that is that God is. I do not know who or why or what where God is. I only know that I have a feeling that there is a God. If we were to try to define God we would fail because none of our definitions would satisfy us. We do not know why we know that God is. We just know. When we reach the point where we acknowledge that God is, and when we are willing to stop there and not try to define what God is, we are at the most wonderful point in our experience for what we are virtually saying is, Father, I know that thou art. I know that there is a God. I know that there is something beyond human selfhood, but that is all I know. Now, Father, reveal thyself. At that moment, we are at the point of highest treatment or prayer. Our thoughts about God, our opinions and theories are all dead, and we are a state of aliveness waiting for God to tell us what God is. In that state, God can reveal itself. God can always reveal itself to the expectant and receptive consciousness, the consciousness that is willing to annihilate its human wisdom and in true humility acknowledge, I know God is, but I do not know what God is or why God is or where God is or how God functions. I know not how to go out or how to come in. <clears throat> Scripture says that we do not even know how to pray, but that we must let the Spirit bear intercession within us. Let the Spirit pray. That is treatment as it is understood and taught in its highest form in the infinite way. I learned 30 years ago that it was absolutely impossible for me to know how to pray without trying to usurp God's place. But in the acknowledgement that all I know is that God is, gradually over the years, there has come the conviction that if I turn to God and keep my mind stayed on God, the correct treatment, the correct prayer, the correct communion, the correct meditation, the correct way to heal, and the correct way to teach, all of these things unfold from within. For a long time to come, it will not only be, the, be legitimate, but essential in your treatment to know all the truth that you can possibly know, as long as you are knowing the truth about God and not about man, not about a person, not about a condition. Keep your mind stayed on God. 
the Browns, Joneses, and Smiths, the cancer and polio will try to penetrate into your thought, but the ability to prevent their getting in is what makes your uh, practitioner. What have I to do with uh, you, Jones, Brown, Smith, sin, disease, death? My work is with God. I shall keep my mind stayed on God. God, God, God. Sounds like Jesse. (laughs) Yes. So, this is what it is, y'all. I, I, how could we, you know, truly have a concept of, the, of that which is infinite when we have finite experiences, correct? And so what freedom, that, that whole idea of um, operating on a need-to-know basis, this uh, invitation that Jennifer extended to her students last year is stop trying to figure it out and be willing to accept that, and invite an experience on a need-to-know basis. How powerful. I mean, it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Like, I think that, you know, book smart intelligence is so revered in our culture that to, um, to kind of put away trying to understand, figure out um, <clears throat> what it means is seems crazy. But in that, you know, when we <clears throat> stop, this has been my practice lately, my personal spiritual practice. There's been so much more, uh, so uh, much more just meditation of just clearing the mind, no visualization, just clearing the mind And that's it. And just sitting in that, in stillness. Mm-hmm. But I've felt so much movement. I've experienced so much movement in my life. And so what I'm learning is that that's actually a very productive practice. Because in the stillness, in the silence, is the solution. Because in that is God. God is just there. I'm just consciously connecting to what is. And it's powerful. It feels it feels powerful. It feels very I really think I'm on to something. <laughs> so can I'm I, doing less can I, this year. Can I share something, Jesse, kind of along those lines? Um so last night I got an email from my accountant, like ten o'clock at night or something. And um, she's like, oh, you know, I finished your return. Uh, it looks like your expenses were down from last year. And right now your federal tax stands at you owe $1,800. And I had like this brief moment of like, like a gasp. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I literally just sat like on my bed for I don't even know how long. I didn't, I didn't even pray, really. Like I just like sat and breathed, and I just kept thinking, God, like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, I think I did it. And then I went to bed, and I woke up this morning, and, like, it kind of, you know, creeped into my head this morning, and so I did the same thing. And um, 
so then she called me a little bit after 10 o'clock this morning. And so we were going over some stuff and it turned out I had a lot more expenses than I had put in. And then she sent me an email maybe about an hour after that my federal taxes, I owe $10 for last year. <laughs> and, but I was, and I had that moment of, I was like, wow, like I didn't even, you know, when I went into it last night, it's like, okay, I'm not going to ask for anything because I know that there's nothing to ask for that God's my source. And that's what, just what I kept thinking on. Like every time it came into my, my mind. And then this morning I was like, well, look at that. And it was that less is more approach. Like you were just saying, like, it's not like in the meditation, it wasn't like visualizing anything. It was just sitting and being. Mm. Beautiful. I I love that you shared that because I'm having the very similar experience. And in fact, right before this call, I I had such a reaction this evening about taxes that I wasn't I didn't even know if I was going to be able to do the call. Mm. And that's I mean that's really why I thought we would begin with some silence just so I could really support myself and you all and just handing it over. And But even in that time, I I kind of was guided to the path to take mm-hmm. on on paying taxes. Yeah. And yeah. I gave him a lot more clarity on it about what growth looks like and expansion. So... Mm-hmm. Okay, let us... Uh, I want to read one more section before we uh, take our break, and that is God is the life of individual being. God is the life of individual being. So um, I will, you two will read the paragraphs, and if it's in parentheses, I mean, if it's in italics, if it's the prayer, I'll read that part, okay? Okay. So you guys, so you guys switch on and off, and then if it's in italics, I'll read it. And so, Stephen, you'll start, uh, you'll be first, and then Tom, you'll be second. And I'll read it out. Okay. When you look at any person, you are not seeing the real person. You are seeing your concept of him, and there's nothing that you know about him that is true. Not a thing. It makes no difference whether you are seeing him with eyes of judgment, criticism, or condemnation. Or, on the other hand, if you are thinking of him as a paragon of virtue. In either case, it is only a concept of him. Of him. And in either case, it is wrong. You might just as well not waste your time thinking evil about him or thinking good about him, because in both cases, you are wrong. And in neither case are you bringing any healing or health to him. Even when you are thinking the best about him, you are not benefiting him. There is only one time when you can be of help to a person, and that is when you can, when you can close your eyes to the appearance and go straight to God. God is the soul of individual being. God is the life. God is the only being. God governs, motivates, and animates individual being. When you are, then you are giving a perfect treatment. Then you are praying for him. Then you are upholding his hand. But the minute you think of a person as being good or kind, you are not benefiting him in any way whatsoever. You are malpracticing him, 
because you are holding him in good human uh, humanhood. Good humanhood is only another form of humanhood, and sometimes the good and the bad run into each other. The good becomes bad one day, and the bad becomes good the next day. If you truly want to bless a person, you will remember that God animates and God permeates his being because God is the only true being, life and the soul of the individual being. Stop thinking of a person in treatment. Look over the head of the person to where you can see where you can see neither a good concept of him nor a bad concept and realize. God is the only creative principle. Therefore, God made all people in his own image and likeness. God constitutes individual beings. God loves his beloved child and God has been with his child throughout all the ages. God has animated and permeated the consciousness of his son and his and God fulfills himself as his son. How wonderful are thy ways, O God, not how wonderful are you, O man. How wonderful are thy ways, O Father, that thou maintainest man in thy image and likeness. Thou art his support. Thou upholdest his right hand. Thou is who supports, supplies, maintains, and sustains him. I never think of the Joneses or the Browns or the Smiths. I think only how wonderful it is that God loves his children, that God supports and upholds them, that God permeates them, that God animates them, and that God is is their true being, so that there is no separation or division. No sins of omission or commission can separate us from the love of God, nor can any mistake that we have ever made. We live and move and have our being in God. We are studying not to bring God into our experience or to find God, but to have our eyes opened and to be awakened to the truth that now already we are the sons of God. Francis Thompson wrote, Does a fish soar to find the ocean, the eagle plunge to find the air, that we ask of the stars in motion, if they have rumors of you there. Does the fish sort in the ocean? No. The fish is in the ocean. Does the eagle plunge to find the air? No, the eagle is in the air. Do we study to find God? No, we are in God. Do we meditate to find God? No, we are in God. Do we pray to get God's grace? No, we are in God's grace. Do we have anything in the world to do with to do about our relationship to God except to, do we have anything in the world to do ex- about our relationship to God except to realize the isness of it? Now are we the sons of God, and now are we living and moving and having our being in God? Now God's grace upholds us. We study only because of a universal belief that we are not in God's grace and are trying to get back into God. But we have never left God. We have never left heaven. We have always been in heaven, although we have accepted in our minds a sense of separation from God. The truth is that we have never been and can never be separated from God. We have only accepted a sense of separation from God. 
Our relationship with God is an individual one. It has nothing to do with anybody else in the world. Nobody can help it and nobody can hinder it. Therefore, in our daily meditation, we must sit back and realize, I and the Father are one. Therefore, the identity of God is expressing as me, and the abundance of God is flowing through me. Some people may find it difficult to accept this because they believe that their supply is dependent upon their business, their investments, or their inheritance. Many women believe that their supply is dependent upon their husbands. Practitioners, that their supply is dependent upon their patients or teachers. That their supply is dependent upon their students. Your fulfillment is dependent not on any of those things, but on your conscious realization of your oneness with God. Within yourself, you have to release yourself. God is my supply. My relationship with God constitutes my abundance, and it is because I am one with God that I, that I have abundance. It's not because I am married, have patients, students, or a business. If I had none of these, still my relationship with God is. I and the Father are one, and the Father has is all that the Father has is mine. The harmony of my being is dependent only upon my realization of my oneness with God. The harmony of my body, the harmony of my purse, the harmony of my relationships in the world, all these are dependent not on what anybody else thinks or does. It does not even make any difference how many depressions there are or how many wars. My fulfillment is dependent only on my realization of my oneness with God. My oneness with God constitutes the harmony of my being. My oneness with God constitutes the fullness of my health, my wealth, and my supply. My conscious oneness with God gives me enough truth with which to meet every human need. I am not dependent on person, place, or thing, nor can any person, place, or thing in the world affect my demonstration. My demonstration is a demonstration of my oneness with God, and that takes place within my own consciousness. Here and now, I dedicate myself to this truth. I and the Father are one, and all that the Father has is mine. God is the source of my being. God is the activity of my being. My relationship of oneness with God constitutes my harmony and my oneness with God constitutes the allness and the all-harmony of my being, my body, my person, all my relationships. I have everything in the realization that only God is my being. No one external to me can intrude in or interfere with my relationship with God. Oneness in my relationship with God and that conscious oneness nobody can take from me, nor can anybody add anything to me. Because I love my neighbor as myself, I hereby know and declare that this truth is the universal truth. It is the truth about everyone on the face of the globe. I pray that God's grace will awaken everyone on earth to the infinity of his own being so that no one on earth may ever again envy another, be jealous of another, or, co- or covet the possessions of another, whether individually, nationally, or internationally, since God's grace is his sufficiency. From this moment on, I adopt as my way of life this statement, God's grace is my sufficiency in all things. No more do I look to man, woman, or child, No more do I argue or fight with man, woman, or child. God's grace is my sufficiency in all things, and henceforth and forever I look only to the Father for the infinity, the infinity of my God. Oh, my God. Uh, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Mm. Mm. Let's take five minutes. Let's take five minutes in silence. I'm going to invite you to... uh, Use the restroom if you like to refill your water. But I'm gonna—I uh, don't know if 
you guys are computer people or phone people, but try to avoid uh, that. And let's just um, take some minutes to let this really sink in and contemplate it. And I will um, see you in five minutes. It's 7.33, so I'll see you at 7.38.
Okay, gentlemen, we are back, back, back. So let's, um, any thoughts on what we just read, the uh, Goldsmith? Before we move on to Course Miracles. I'm going to encourage everybody, uh, actually, homework this week will be to read that prayer, uh, the God is my supply prayer, on pages 40 41 in our spiritual resources. Every day for one week. Every day for seven days. And I'm going to invite you to do that in the morning. Every day for seven days. And then share in the Facebook group your experiences. To share any insights that you had. For seven days, you will read uh, page 40 to 41. And just so you can be on the same uh, timeline as the other practitioners, you can start, because there's no class next week, remember that, no class next week. Um, you can start on Saturday if you'd like. Or you can start tomorrow and just, do it for nine days, ten days, twelve days, fourteen days, every day of the rest of your life. It's a beautiful prayer. So, um, but seven days is the uh, homework, and to share your insights on that, and I'll send an email out in the next couple of days uh, as a reminder of that. Cool. What was that again? Which uh, which pages? Pages between page forty and forty-one. Sorry, I thought I had my headset on. One speaker. It's page 40 to 41. In, uh, That's actually the one I read uh, last night. And this, I read that last night this morning. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but yeah. Isn't it just like, ugh, yum? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yum, 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 yum. Eat it up. Okay. This is on the spiritual resources? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, so we are back to A Course in Miracles, and uh, it's actually a great section. I love this uh, the sections we're reading today. Um, for first is um, in the Manual for Teachers, number 12. Number 12 in the Manual, manual for Teachers, so it's 12 sections, page 31. How many teachers of God are needed to save the world? How many teachers of God are needed to save the world? So, Tom, just let me know when you're there. I'm here. All right, cool. All right, so we'll do uh, uh, we'll do Stephen, Tom, and Jesse. I'll read the order. Uh, and let's read the whole uh, chapter, and then we'll go back and check it out. Okay. <clears throat> How many teachers of God are needed to save the world? The answer to this question is one. One holy, perfect teacher whose learning is complete suffices. This one, sanctified and redeemed, becomes the self who is the Son of God. He who was always Holy Spirit now no longer sees himself as a body or even as in a body. Therefore, he is limitless. And being limitless, his thoughts are joined with God's forever and ever. His perception of himself is based upon God's judgment, not his own. Thus does he share God's will and bring his thoughts to still deluded minds. 
He is forever one because he is as God created him. He has accepted Christ and is saved. Thus does he, the Son of Man become the Son of God. It is not really a change. It is a change of mind. Nothing exterior, ex, nothing external alters, but everything internal is now reflects, now reflects only the love of God. God can no longer be feared, for the mind sees no cause for punishment. God's teacher appeared to be many, for that is what the world needs. Yet being joined in one purpose and one they share with God, how could they be separate from each other? What does it matter if they then appear in as many forms? Their minds are one. Their joining is complete. And God works through them now as one. For that is what they are. Hold on one second. All right. That's good. That's good, Tom. Did you come up with that yourself? Good. Mm -hmm. Why is the illusion of many necessary? Here's good. Listen up, boys. Good stuff. Why is the illusion of many necessary? Only because reality is not understandable to the deluded. Only very few can hear God's voice at all. And even they cannot communicate his messages directly through the spirit which God gave them. They need a medium through which communication becomes possible to those who do not realize that they are spirit. A body they can see a voice they understand and listen to without the fear that truth would encounter in them. Do not forget that truth can come only where it is welcomed without fear. So do God's teachers need a body for their unity could not be recognized directly. Yet what makes God's teachers is their recognition of the proper purpose of the body. As they advance in their profession, they become more and more certain that the body's function is but to let God's voice speak through it to human ears. And these ears will carry to the mind of the hearer messages that are not of this world, and the mind will understand because of their source. From this understanding will come, to, will come the recognition in this new teacher of God of what the body's purpose really is. The only use there really is for it. This lesson is enough to let the thought of unity come in, and what is one is recognized as one. The teachers of God appear to share the illusion of separation, but because of what they use their body for, they do not believe in the illusion, despite appearances. The central lesson is always this, that what you use the body for, it, that, okay, the central lesson is, the, is always this, that what you use the body for, it will become to you. Use it for sin or for attack, which is the same as sin, and you will see it as sinful. Because it is sinful, it is weak, and being weak, it suffers and dies. Use it to be, bring the word of God to those who can to have it not, and the body becomes holy. Because it is holy, it cannot be sick, nor can it die. When its usefulness is done, 
is, is laid by and all, and that is all. The mind makes his decision and it makes all decisions that are responsible for the body's condition. Yet the teacher of God does not make this decision alone. To do that would be to give the body another purpose from what the, from the one that keeps it holy. God's voice will tell him when he has filled, fulfilled his role, just as it tells him what his function is. He does not suffer either in going or remaining. Sickness is now impossible to him. Oneness and sickness cannot coexist. God's teacher, choose to look on dreams a while. <laughs> it is a conscious choice, for they have learned that all choices are made consciously with full awareness of their consequences. The dream says otherwise, but who would put his faith in dreams once they are recognized for what they are? Awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. They watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die, yet they are not deceived by what they, are, by, by what they see. They recognize that to behold a dream figure as sick and separate is no more real than to regard it as healthy and beautiful. Unity alone is not a thing of dreams, and it is this God's teachers acknowledge as beyond the, behind the dream, beyond all the seeming and yet surely theirs. Mm. So, um, okay, discuss what stood out for you. I think number three about the why is the illusion of many necessary. What stood out about that? Well, because it's so true. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think even just among us, like we, we've had to hear this message from so many people, you know, from so many books, so many writers. And, you know, and I, for me anyway, in the last like year, it's like, Oh, wow. <laughs> like the whole, that oneness concept has become so much clearer to me than it was, you know, years ago. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, Joel Goldsmith is probably the, I don't know, 50th <laughs> writer or book that I've read that same message in. It's like, oh, yeah. And there's, and they're really, and, but then also on a different level, there really aren't 50 teachers. They're, they're all saying it's just one teacher, but it's the illusion of many. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it says, you know, that God's teachers appear to be many, for that is what the world needs. But uh, it goes on to say, you know, yet being joined in one purpose and what the, and one they share with God, how then can appear, how then appear in many forms. How could they be separate from one another? What does it matter if they then appear in many forms? Their minds are one, so their joining is complete. Yeah, this is saying, you know, that it doesn't matter how many people or how many teachers there are because in ultimate reality there is only but one mm-hmm. and when you have more than when you have that one you know and you're 
you saying it through many people, you're, it's the multiplier effect, you know, that what we hear from one person we may not understand, but if we're hearing it from somebody else, we might understand it better. Right. Sometimes what we hear from other people, you know, if we keep that repetition going, eventually it'll sink in. Mm-hmm. So what's the function of the body? It's be a conduit. How often, how many times, people on this call, have you beat yourself up for the appearance of your body? (laughs) Many. Because Um, we're still saying that separation. You know... The body is only as real as far as it goes, but that's not ultimately who we really are. We're not our body. We're not our mind. You know, we're we're much more than that. Mm -hmm. It's just like one minister told me many years ago, the body is just a soul with skin on. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, so I love this uh, you know, uh from this understanding we will will come the recognition in this new teacher of God of what the body's purpose really is. The only use there really is for it. This lesson is enough to let the thought of unity come in, and what it is, and what is one is recognized as one. The teachers of God appear to share the illusion of separation, but because of what they use their body for, they do not believe in the illusion, despite appearances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so great, <clears throat> and I think also, you know. Acceptance. I, I, I really believe that there's power in acceptance of where we are right now. Uh-huh. You know? So, to do our best. And then, this idea, too, of um, God's teachers choose to look on dreams a while. It's a conscious choice, for they have learned that all choices are made consciously with full awareness of their consequences. That means we stay here. We we don't place the body aside yet. The teacher of God is teaching until it's complete. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So how many teachers of God are needed to save the world? One. And yet, within the illusion, and I think this is really important, 
Do not forget that truth can only come where it is welcomed without fear. And so Jesus was awakened, and yet was the world ready to receive his teaching? No. No. Yeah. What's great is, like, there's no rush either. So we can save time through this practice. The end game is the same. You know, we're going to awaken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Self-will is simply the time in which you want to do it. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's read one more section tonight. What is the real meaning of sacrifice? So we'll do the same order, Stephen, Tom, and Jesse. And um, again, take notes, circle, highlight, and then we'll discuss at the end. So let's go for it. Uh, To me, right? Yep. Okay. What is the real meaning of sacrifice? Although in truth, the term sacrifice is altogether meaningless, it does have a meaning in the world. Like all things in the world, it is its meaning is temporary and will ultimately fade into the nothingness from which it came when there is no more use for it. Now, its real meaning is a lesson. Like all lessons, it is an illusion, for in reality, there is nothing to learn. Yet this illusion must be replaced by a corrective device, another illusion that replaces the first, so both can finally disappear. The first illusion, which must be displaced before another thought Uh, before another thought system can take hold, is that it is a sacrifice to give up the things of this world. What could this be but an illusion, since this world itself is nothing more than that? It takes great learning both to realize and to accept the fact that the world has nothing to give. What can the sacrifice of nothing mean? It cannot mean that you have less, it cannot mean that you have less because of it. There is no sacrifice in the world's term that does not involve the body. Think a while for about the world called sacrifice, about what the world calls sacrifice. Power, fame, money, physical pleasure. Who is the hero to whom in all these things belong? Could they mean anything but can they could they mean anything except to a body? Yet a body cannot evaluate. By seeking after such things, the mind associates itself with the body, obscuring its identity and losing sight of what it really is. Once this confusion has occurred, it becomes impossible for the mind to understand that all the pleasures of the world are nothing. What a sacrifice. And it is sacrifice indeed. All this entails. Now has the mind condemned itself to seek without finding, to be forever dissatisfied and discontented, to know not what it really wants to find. Who can escape this self-condemnation? Only through God's word could this be possible. For self-condemnation is a decision about identity, and no one doubts what he believes he is. He can doubt all things, but love, but never this. God's teachers can have no regret on giving up the pleasures of the world. Is it a sacrifice to give up pain? 
Does an adult resent the giving up of, ch- of children's toys? Does one whose vision has already glimpsed the face of Christ look back with longing on a slaughterhouse? No one who has escaped the world and all its ills looks back on it with any con- looks back on it with condemnation. Yet he must rejoice that he is free of all the sacrifices that values would demand of him. To them he sacrifices all his peace. To them he sacrifices all his freedom. And to possess them must he sacrifice his hope of heaven and the remembrance of his father's love. Who in his sane mind chooses nothing as a substitute for everything? What is the real meaning of sacrifice? It is the cost of believing in illusion. It is the price that must be paid for the denial of truth. There is no pleasure of the world that does not demand this, for otherwise the pleasure would be seen as pain, and no one asks for pain if he recognizes it. It is the idea of sacrifice that makes him blind. He does not see what he is asking for, so he seeks it in a thousand ways and in a thousand places, each time believing it is there, and each time disappointed in the end. Seek but do not find, remains this world's stern decree, and no one who pursues the world's goal can do otherwise. You may believe this course requires sacrifice of all you really hold dear. In one sense, this is true, for you hold dear the things that crucify God's Son, and it's the course's aim to set him free. But do not be mistaken about what sacrifice means. It always means the giving up of what you want. And what, O teacher of God, is it that you want? You've been called by God and you've answered. Would you now sacrifice the call? Few have heard it as yet and they can but turn to you. There is no other hope in all the world that they can trust. There's no other voice in all the world that echoes God's. If you would sacrifice the truth, they stay in hell. And if they stay, you will remain with them. Do not forget that sacrifice is total. There are no half sacrifices. You cannot give up heaven partially. You cannot be a little bit in hell. The word of God has no exceptions. It is this that makes it holy and beyond the world. It is its holiness that points to God. It is its holiness that makes you safe. It is denied if you attack any brother for anything. For it is here the split with God occurs, a split that is impossible, a split that cannot happen, yet a split in which you surely will believe because you have set up a situation that it is possible. And in this situation, the impossible can seem to happen. It seems to happen at the sacrifice of truth. Nature of God, do not forget the meaning of sacrifice and remember what each decision you make must mean in terms of cost. Decide for God and everything is given to you at no cost at all. Decide against him and you choose nothing at the expense of awareness of everything. For what would you teach? Remember only what you uh, remember only what you would learn. For it is here that your concern should be. Atonement is for you. Your learning claims it and your learning gives it. The world contains it not, but learn this course, and it is yours. God holds out his word to you, for he has no need 
of teachers. What other way is there to save his son? Or he has needs of teachers. Okay. I mean, this is like, I, I find that this is the most challenging, for me personally, this has been the most challenging concept to teach because a lot of spiritual seekers don't want to be told that a lot of the stuff that they're working on manifesting has no real value. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the yeah, prizes, totally. the, the, the cash and prizes is what motivates a lot of spiritual teachers. And then to tell them, or spiritual seekers, and then to tell them that the cash and prizes don't exist. They don't, they, they don't, they have no value. They have zero value. The only thing that has value is that which is eternal. And so it really is upsetting because I, I, the, the most resistance I get is when I say, yeah, I know, but why, what, what is it that you really are looking for with, you know, mm-hmm. with that goal, that idea? And a lot of people are like, well, I just want it because I want it, and I'm entitled to want it. And you know what? You absolutely are. You absolutely are. But let's not delude ourselves. We're at the point of the conversation now where we don't have to work in delusion. Right. That it, it asks for no sacrifice, and yet you may need to give up what you want, but mm-hmm. what you think you want in the terms of the world. But what do you, what is it that we really want? What is it that we really want? I think we, I want peace with peace within. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what do we think that the boyfriend, the waistline, the money, the house, doing good in the world, being able to contribute more? What do we think mm-hmm. that's really going to bring us? Mm-hmm. It's more separation. Well, no, 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 no. What do we think it's really going to bring us? Not what do we think, think it's that, going to bring us? Yeah, we think that stuff is going to bring us happiness and ergo bring us peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yep, if, yep. if I didn't have to worry about money, I'd be a lot nicer. I'd be a lot happier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be... And a lot richer. <laughs> <laughs> or uh-huh. think of all the good I could do. Think of all the good <laughs> I could do with more mm-hmm. money. Right. You know, if I had a million dollars, if I had, if I had a billion dollars, if I think of what I could do, you know, I could do so much more good. Is that true? Good where? Good in the world? Good in the dream? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really, it's really something to contemplate. What? Oh yeah. What? What do you think? What are you most afraid that you're going to have to sacrifice? That you're going to have to um, let go of being pursuing this path. What is it? Hmm. The illusion. Well, not on an esoteric thing. Like honestly, like like from. Honest- from uh, from like a very personal standpoint, what is it? What 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 are you like most afraid? Like, what's the one thing that you're like? I don't want to have to give that up. Um, I think for me, like at this moment, to answer that question is that I <laughs> I give up like finding a boyfriend. 
Oh my God, Mike. Yeah, I can outdo you. I want a husband. <laughs> Wait, what did he say? <laughs> he said, I'm going to outdo you. I want a husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great one. That's a really, it's really good one. It's totally ego bullshit when I, like, actually, like, think about it and, like, express it. It's bullshit. Because my excuse is that it's like, oh, well, you know, I can't find a guy that, you know, that believes this stuff or in anything. And then I'm like the weirdo and blah, blah, blah. It's total bullshit. Uh But it's the thing that pops up the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... um have a hard time uh, thinking that I have to sacrifice success, mm. you know, or that, you know, I per- or it's my pursuit of success because I've pursued success for so long, I don't even know who I would be without it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I get that one too. You know, like, what does that mean? Like, do I have to just be okay with being a loser? Like, <laughs> living a mediocre life? What if I had to just live in this apartment for my entire life and what am I supposed to think? I'm expected just to be happy? Like what, I don't get to be a best-selling <laughs> author? I don't get to, you know, I don't get to travel the world. Oprah's not my friend. What does that mean? I want to be, if I'm going to be a spiritual teacher, I want to be the best spiritual teacher acknowledged and loved by all thousands of people. Like, what are you Are you telling me that I'm just going to still have to like, it's going to be a challenge to pay the bills that inspire still and I have to show up and sweep the floors and do all that stuff, and people aren't going to adore me and, and, and you know, wait in line for 48 hours so I can hug them and, you know, like, what, what are you saying? Because <laughs> that sounds like sacrifice to me, and it's like, well, why am I doing this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I really had to come to terms with that. Really, really had to come to terms with that because it felt like sacrifice. What, I have to sacrifice relationships? I have to sacrifice wanting money? I have to sacrifice, like, what are you asking me for? Right. And the truth is, they're asking for nothing. Mm-hmm. Because it is nothing. Sacrifice nothing in order to have everything. Our, I mean, you really have to think of, like, the most, the most pleasurable thing that you can possibly think of on this planet. Think of it. What is the most pleasurable thing that you could possibly imagine? Like Tom, using the example of a husband, having the most beautiful wedding in that moment, connecting with someone at the altar, even that doesn't touch Mm -hmm. the, the beauty of God's love. Yet we don't know that. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to give that up. And we're afraid to have to give that up. Yeah. You know? I don't want to I don't want to believe that I, I could be homeless and happy. Mm-hmm. You know? I need to know that I'm gonna do this work. I need to be able to manifest wealth out of thin air. I need to be able to have all the gimmicks and do the magic tricks and all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. Now does that mean you don't pursue what turns you on? No. 
you can pursue it, but just realize that for for what purpose are you pursuing it for? Are you pursuing it for for to make you happy, or are you pursuing it because you are happy? Mm. It depends on where what you're. What uh, you're, where you're coming from, and what the thought behind it is. If you're already happy, and uh, this is just an expression of that happiness, then go for it. If you're uh, pursuing it because you think that it would make you happy, and it won't. Hmm. We must sacrifice nothing for everything. I remember growing up, you know, and a sacrifice meant giving up all that stuff that you wanted. You know, if you were doing God's will, God's will was something that you feared. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that at all. It means, you know, seek ye first the kingdom and I had contemplated that as a child, but never really understanding what it meant. And uh, I figured, I thought, you know, you had to give up all this pleasure and stuff. You had to give up, you know, who you are in order for God's will, you know. And it just means that, you know, if you're giving up all the illusions and stuff and you're just making yourself available to God's will, God is going to add all of these things to you. Because essentially you are God. You're going to, you're adding this to yourself because God is adding it to you because you're, you're acknowledging that there is no separation with it. Yep. Well, it's like what Goldsmith is talking about. Don't bring the stuff in the prayer because the stuff doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> the stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> and yet we yeah. make it matter so much. Mm-hmm. Goldsmith yeah. says, can you, can you seek ye first the kingdom just to seek ye first the kingdom. Can you do it? I mean, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom just for because you're seeking the, the kingdom. Yeah, I could do it. I'd have to get out all my illusions, which is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I 
I mean, it's that idea of the miracle being not what expresses itself from the state of mind, but it's the state of mind. Mm-hmm. It's this peace of mind. It's the recognition of God. That's the miracle. What expresses itself from that is not the miracle. That's just an extension of the miracle manifesting itself in physical form in which we are playing it. We've just confused like what the expression is with the miracle. But the miracle is the, is the state of mind. The miracle is the state of mind. Write that a million times. The miracle is the state of mind. The miracle is the state of mind. The miracle is the recognition of God. And what expresses through your own personal interests and preferences and things that you like, of course it will manifest as those things because it's you. It's expressing through a unique expression, through a unique channel. Mm-hmm. So how great is that to know that God's got your back? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it, it can't not because it's all an extension of your consciousness. But the stuff that let it express with absolutely no attachment. Mm-hmm. Let it go if you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, in uh, science of mind, religious science, we say when we do this, we say, well, okay, you can ask for what you want, but leave it open at the top because ultimately, you know, what you want might not be what what the highest and best for you is, so you just leave it open at the top and say this is something better. Yeah, I mean, sure. But even in the regards to that, Tom, think about it. This or something better. Is there better? <laughs> Wait, what does that even mean? Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, I understand and I get that too. But better what? It's better in regards to the material world, right? <laughs> so that it, better has been <laughs> that it works. Yeah. Yeah. Just does it work or does it not work? Will just support me the most in knowing you guys. Because here's the thing: I always think, you know, Jennifer said because money used to be a big thing for me, and she said. Maybe you weren't supposed to have money. Maybe you would have been distracted. Maybe you wouldn't have been able to do what you're really here to do. Right. Maybe you wouldn't have, you know, because money brought me to my knees, man. I've, it brought me to my knees this afternoon. But thank God it only did it for half a day. and It was not, you know, six months. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah, I mean... I think we've done a lot of good work today, guys. I think we've peeled away a lot of layers. I think that I think we're getting a lot of... I know I feel I'm getting even more clarity. And I really appreciate your willingness to go there and really contemplate it. So your homework this week, guys, will be, again, to read that prayer from page 40 to 41 in the Goldsmith, Our Spiritual Resources, seven days in a row, and share your experience in the Facebook group, Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll send you another homework assignment. I don't know what it is yet uh, because there's no class next week. Okay. Um, and uh, so look out for that. But till then, seven days with our spiritual resource uh, and with the present spiritual resource. Read the next chapter in our spiritual resource. 
Okay. So it was in two weeks. Make sure that you have chapter three read and you're ready to discuss in class. Okay. Okay. And uh, I will see you, Jesse, Sunday night via Skype. What Sunday night via Skype? Isn't that the board the survey meeting? Oh, is that the Sunday? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you reminded me about that. <laughs> Cool. All right. So let's declare that the sacred space follows us into our dreamscape tonight for where we are, God is. Thank God. And it's blessing the world with this knowing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen. 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 All right, you beauties. I will talk right. to you soon. All right. Love okay. you guys. All right. All right. Take much love. Bye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.